Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Scherzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Valiant Dorian plays Vasca, a Yuanti Bard. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Cotter, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sitlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, death, illness, descriptions of food, and fantasy violence. Arc 6, Episode 8. Someone Else's Father's Face. From Minotaur, by Justin Philip Reed. The Iron Citadel stands tall, imposing, proud. 500,000 tons of steel, brick, timber, rock, and earth carved into the face of an icy mountainside. Wind howls through gaps in tiled battlements. Frigid waves lurch up to kiss the feet of this looming citadel. And perched upon a high, frosty rampart, his dark brown hair glistening with threads of ice is Tyrion, leader of the Chromatic Order. Jaron, Abiku, Gentle, and of course, V, the four of you, at the bottom of the citadel, your boots slipping upon lake-slick ice. You look up to see this man 500 feet above your heads. You can hardly hear your own thoughts over the screaming and wailing and howling of the winter gales around you, and yet his voice when he speaks rings across this lake with perfect clarity. A voice laced with magic, with power. A voice at once dauntless, irreproachable, curious, almost a little extravagant, but controlled. A voice that you, V, instinctually, primally, immediately recognize as your father's. And Tyrion, leader of the Chromium Order, straightens and says down to all of you, You! The one with the wings, who exactly are you? V looks up, kind of stands a little bit more up at attention. Through her mind, she's got a few different thoughts racing. V, Vasante, V, Vasante, V, Vasante. My name is Vasante Nakshurzo. Uh, a glimmer of what feels like recognition 
flashes across Tyrion's face. Ha! <laughs> Visanti Nocherzo. Ha! <laughs> Do you know the origin of that name, Visanti Nocherzo? And he steps up onto the top of the banister and steps into the air. But as he does, like, fing, 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 pedals of ice and snow unfurl beneath his boots to sort of form like a staircase all the way down, right? And his eyes are fixed on you, like razor sharp as he speaks, his mouth open almost in kind of like a jagged, sharp smile. Do you know, Visanti Nocherzo, what you are named after? I've heard stories from my mother, but uh, that was a long, long time ago, and I'd love to hear your side of the story. Your mother. Of course. Of course. Paya. How could I ever forget her? Indeed, Sievert. And I think he twirls his fingers and closes it into a fist as his, like, he finally reaches, like, the bottom of that, like, 500-foot descent, like, onto the ground. And you see that he's maybe, like, six foot three, six foot four. And as he twirls his hands into a fist, like, Sievert, who this entire time uh, has been backing away from the scene slowly, like, he's been trying to, like, exit, like, get out of here. He, he freezes and pauses. Uh, yes, my lord. And all of you see, like, an expression of intense fear contort this dragonborn man's face, laced through with fury, terror, and rage in equal parts battling within Sievert, but now he's rooted to the spot, frozen. And Tyrion, without even looking at Sievert, goes on to say, Sievert, 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 Sievert. Fang to Tyrion, my loyal lieutenant, you have been lying to me for upwards a century, haven't you? Lying to me that I have no true daughter. That V, Nocherzo, is not mine. Is that true? <laughs> my, my lordship... Please, you have to understand, everything I've ever done was for the good of the Order, was for your sake, was for our mission, for the Chromium Decree, for... And I think Tyrion just raises, like, a, a light brown hand at that, and Seaver just shuts up, right? Like, freezes, like his tail just, like, stalks still behind him. <sighs> and Tyrion, now, like, level with UV, turns and fixes his gaze upon you. Visanti Nakshirzo, I must formally apologize to you. I was unaware of your existence as my true daughter. Can you ever forgive me? Oh, wow. Uh, this is not uh, how I expected this to go. I've I looked for you for a very long time, too. I'm surprised our paths were unable to uh, cross and... I crossed paths with Sievert many a times. He tried to kill me more than one time. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't think I don't think we need to tell any details of our rendezvous to Tyr, uh, my lord. One of those times is right now, actually. And Jaron has been like, 
I think like in the background of this whole interaction, kind of awkwardly and watching as V meets her dad for the first time. Uh, and he just kind of like pipes up. You, you tried to kill V right now. Kill, <laughs> kill is a strong you shot, word. You used a lot of cannons. I point out one of the, I point out like the cannon Sun has like in their mouth. <laughs> and yet, all of you survived. I knew, I knew you would survive. I was simply trying to, trying to send a, send a message. Yes, a, a message about the strength of the Chromium Order. So what I'm hearing is that Sievert failed at letting you know that I exist. He failed at trying to kill me. He failed at trying to get my blood, which was actually very helpful, Sievert. That helped us find a Pentagon. You were... It seemed weird at the time, but it ended up being extremely helpful, so I appreciate what you did. And you failed to send us a message just now that's other, anything other than, I want to kill you right now. So, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, uh, father, that uh, your fang is a bit of a failure. My lord, my lord, please, I have served you for over a century and a half. You know my heart is true. You know I believe in what our order stands for. You know I would never do anything to, to spite you, to betray you. Everything I've ever done has been in service of the enough. And at that, all of you feel the weave tense and straighten uh, as Tyrion just sort of curls his hand and Seaver oh, like stops talking and he actually freezes like in the middle of like explaining himself like he's like someone pressed pause on him and he's unable to move and his eyes continue to like flick around in their sockets and swirl around and look at all of you but Tyrion just sort of raises a hand that's been curled into a fist and says I think I've heard enough my fang the evidence is overwhelming you attempted to use our beautiful cannons our ancient weapons to what pulverize my dear daughter under my very nose. Did you not think I would notice? Do you take me a fool, Sievert? Ah, yes, of course. And he like flicks a finger and Sievert is able to talk now. No, no, my lord, I don't, I don't. But please, please, if I could just explain. I think I've heard enough. I'm sorry you have to witness this. I promise he's all right. I'm just taking him somewhere into the Citadel where his poison-laced words won't be able to darken our well of conversation much longer. And Tyrion, I think, ripples his fingers in like a somatic gesture. And all of you see, there's really no other way to describe it. Like Sievert kind of um, uh, d disintegrates, but not in like a, <laughs> Not like a death way, like conjuration magic, I think, swirls around him as like the top, like the top part of him just turns into like snowflakes, right? Like drifting off almost like butterfly wings, just, just like he just dematerializes into petals of ice and just swirls away. Uh, but again, the kind of magic that ripples around you is the same kind of magic that powers, I think, the teleportation dais at Dr. Luso's that all of you would be very familiar around. Uh, Tyrion has put Sievert elsewhere. He's just gone. Sievert vanishes. And Tyrion turns his gaze back onto your party, specifically back onto V. <sighs> My daughter. That's what you are, isn't it? My daughter. You're my father. And he 
opens up his arms. He uh, stands there for a moment. So, I gotta say, just putting myself in that place, it's so weird to imagine the first time ever, you're 111 years old, and for the first time ever, your father opens an arms, his arms for a hug. V is like, um, I think looks back at Rev, particularly, but probably makes eye contact, checks him visually with the Biku, gentle. There's like a hesitancy <laughs> with Gerard. <Not> <laughs> V looked, but there's a little bit of like a little flinch in the eye, just a little bit of fire. And um, V turns back and I think just like physically is a little stiff, but also opens her arms and like steps forward to embrace in a hug. As soon as you open your arms, then you start to tentatively step forward. Tyrion closes the remaining like 10 feet gap between you and just pulls you into like a, a hug, a really warm embrace actually like a really like he just pulls you in like he and he's like pats you on the back and it's just like holding you close uh and he he smells familiar there's no other way to describe it like a memory once forgotten but now that you smell him it's almost like yeah that's that's your dad uh and he like holds you close and despite like the ice swirling around both of you it feels warm almost this hug he like is like gripping onto your shoulders and like pats you on the back. Vasanti, Vasanti, my girl. And he like I think pull, pulls away briefly just so he can look you like in the eyes, like deeply, like taking in every part of your face, like he's trying to commit it to memory. And like this close to him, you see some family resemblance. You see yourself, I think, in the shape of his nose and like the curve of his mouth, his jawbone a little bit. There's aspects of V in the cheek, the nose, the eye, right? Like you can see where you got some of yourself from. Yeah, I think with every, you know, um, V still has tried to burn the memory of her father, uh, mother, her mother in her mind over the century. And it's like this view of Tyrion is like filling in the gaps, almost like the genetic code of the ways in which V didn't look like her mother. And it's I think with this embrace and this realization, uh, seeing his face, I think V actually, her heart starts swelling up and she does like start, you can feel her breath start getting tighter in her chest as she's like fighting back a tear and her eyes are, are, are welling up with water in them. I, I am so, so sorry, Vasanti. A dozen apologies and not enough. I tried to find you. I did. I promise I did. I had visions of you, an inkling that I might have a child out there somewhere, a daughter after I left Jukai. Years passed before I, I, I knew I had to find out whether or not that inkling was just a dream or if it had any foothold in reality. I sent my fang, Sievert, to do some digging for me, and I suspect he did locate you, but he did not report back with the truth. And it wasn't until after the cataclysm this year, after everything in Dabathati, everything in the court, the carnival in Nabal, that I had that inkling return. I sent Sievert out to find more information about you. 
Surely, surely this person that people are whispering could be the paragon of Scott and Nectus, who looked so much like me, who reminded me so much of, of, well, your mother. Surely she could possibly be my daughter. But the blood sievert returned to me, well, it wasn't a match. Now I suspect he swapped out your blood for someone else's, or he failed entirely. I made very well sure he did not get my blood when we walked away from that confrontation. <laughs> like father, like daughter. Look at you. Bested my fang, my right hand, my lieutenant. What, three times now? You know, it just gets easier and easier every time. You'd think he'd give up after a while. <laughs> and he actually throws his head back and, and laughs, like a full-throated laugh at that. And he actually, like, even, like, thumps you on the back, like you're sharing an inside joke for the first time. So, uh, there's many questions. So, are, are you, are we dragons? Uh, uh, yes, questions, questions, and I will provide you and all of your friends, companions, teammates, a buffet of answers, I assure you. On the topic of dragons, Visanti, it is true. I am a draconic mage. This is the first time V has heard that particular phrase, draconic mage. So, these are people who... Tell me uh, what, exactly what this means. I... <laughs> oh, Vasanti, where do I... Where do I begin? Where do we begin? Where do we start to make up for lost time? Do we start at the beginning? Do we start in the middle? Or do we start at the end? Questions, 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 and I have to offer all of you, of course, a buffet of answers, a draconic mage, Visanti, my daughter, my child, is what you all, nowadays, I believe, call dragons. Draconic mages, dragons, we are one and the same. We no longer exist, of course. The thousand-year war a myriad ago, it killed us all for you his eyes flick to you Jaron, and then flick to abiku finally like now that after he's like embraced v and like talked to v and accepted v as his, his daughter like so bracingly and so warmly like there's you see like tears actually even glistening in his eyes but they don't fall quite yet he also seems overcome in a way but controlled those shining eyes fall upon abiku Myself and... Huh. Abiku Ishtar. Well, well, old friend. I'll be damned. It appears the ravages of time have spared you as well. Come here, come here, Abiku Ishtar. And he, like, steps away briefly from V to open his arms toward you. I have some snow in one hand, and I just woke up. Oh, okay, yes, that's oh, yes. Hello, friend. Friend, yes, we we are we are friends, and since we are friends, you will tell me my questions. 
Gentle has a question from me. How long uh, have you two known each other? <laughs> Cutting. <laughs> you ask your question, Gentle, and Tyrion steps forward, his arms still open, and Abiku will embrace you. Even though your hand is like full of snow, he will step forward yeah. to, hu to hug you, actually, like yeah. he's greeting an old friend he hasn't seen in years, right? Like he steps forward mm -hmm. to like hug you. Do you mm -hmm. let him? Yeah, I'm, I am 100, whatever I need to do to make it seem like I totally remember and I'm going along with this, I will now do. Oh my God. Okay, may roll a performance check. Absolutely. While this is happening, Jaron is very confused. They're looking between V and Tyrion and now Tyrion and Abiku. And this is not at all what we were preparing for in terms of a confrontation. So I think Jaron is also nervously looking around the Iron Citadel at like the ramparts or at the windows uh, where the cannons previously had uh, had been summoned, trying to see like, is there an ambush waiting for us? Is this an elaborate trap of some kind? Like Jaron's not fully convinced yet that this is legit. Make a perception check. Can I also... Yeah, yeah, Gerard and Gentle, the, the two <laughs> non-dragon-related people, yeah, make yeah. make a perception check. I was, like, fighting a bunch of dudes right before this happened, so I am a little, you know, worried. Uh, but before we get to your perception checks, Abiku, what did you get for performance? Eight. Oh, Abiku, it is so obvious you have no idea who this dude is. <laughs> like, it is so obvious that you're like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> from work, right. <laughs> like, and he, hey. he embraces you. You, dude, my man. Yeah, he hugs you, right? Around your kind of like mm -hmm. midriff area because you're so huge. Yeah. And then he, he lets go and like looks up at you. Abiku Ishtar, it's me. It's Tyrion. Tyrion yes. the White. Yes. And I am Abiku the Ishtar. Oh. Oh. Oh my. You don't remember, do you? I will remember what? You have to be more specific. It's been a long time. He traces a sigil in the air, uh, like a circle that just like his, his finger leaves a glowing line in its wake. It looks like an arcane sigil, but those of you who are casters, V in particular, it is not a sigil you recognize at all. It looks ancient, actually. Uh, it's not in any language of the eights that exists now, right? Uh, and he put, like he, palms the sigil as soon as it like appears in the air and it flies forward uh, and shatters across your body, Abiku. Uh, and Abiku, you recognize the sigil. It is written in Ba. And the specific word that Tyrion has summoned into the air and punched across your body is a word for recognize, know, or understand. Uh, and it, you feel the weave just, I think like ripple across you. And he cocks his head to the side and says, in Ba, right? In a language only you intuitively understand. He says, you've died. You've died and you've come back. You're not fully alive, are you, Abiku Ishtar? Oh, I'll answer back. Oh, that is, yes, I am I am told I am not alive now, yes. My heart stopped beating, uh, I think. <laughs> I don't have to breathe. I, I, I don't eat. I can't, I do eat to make other people comfortable, but I don't have to eat. So your memory 
is a foggy weald. What comes to you? What visions do you see? What omens weave their way through the murk? Mostly someone in the military yelling at me. I see. I see. So, are you here to fail again? Uh, no. I, I was bringing V, and I, I guess you see me point with V to, like, the snow. I was, and probably say V, right? Like, I was coming to bring V, and I did that, so I don't think so. I do, is there a lady here? Oh, Ishtar, Ishtar, Ishtar. You, you know, you know, Abiku, I have always, I have always pitied you. Understand, understand is such a harsh word, such hard edges. Pity. Pity is more accurate, I think. I don't hate you, Abiku, like many of my brethren did before they drew their last breaths. I don't resent you. I understand. No, again, too hard. I pity you. Um, you know, when I talk like this, it makes, I can, I like get to a certain thing, and that is like not a nice thing to say. Nice. Nice. Oh. Abiku, Abiku Ishtar, my gravest apologies. I wasn't attempting to be mean to you, to be untoward. No, 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 please allow me to be the consummate host here. You are a guest. You are a guest in my home. But please do recognize that the feelings I have toward you, the emotions I hold on about what you and your... He pauses. He's like thinking of the right word for like half a second, and he says, Conspirer did to us, attempted to do to all of us. Well, be lucky I do not hate you. I simply pity. Um, if I tried to kill you, I am sorry, unless you were also trying to kill me, in which case it is self-defense. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, water under the bridge. My friend, oh, good. Water and I blow under. snow over his head. <laughs> what do you do with the snow? Locate creature. Trying to find Tamba? Yeah. The snow scatters over his head and I think blows against the iron wall and dissipates. You can sense the weave is pulling you toward somewhere within the citadel, but because it's at least a foot of iron, probably more, like the spell can't get past whatever magical and physical defenses the citadel has. But you do know Tamba's in there, you just don't know exactly where. It's pinging. Okay, um, V came a long way to meet you, and I'm told has been looking for a long time. She has had a lot of birthdays you've missed, so you yes. have a lot to make up for. Yes, birthdays, lost time. And Tyrion switches back into common. He turns from you, Abiku, and like approaches V again. Visanti, my daughter, my daughter, we have so much, so much to update each other on, so much time to make up for. I'm sure you have questions and I, I have answers. I have questions for you as well. I'm more than willing to have a good conversation. Perhaps we should do it uh, in a place that's a little more safe from the elements. Fantastic idea, Visanti. You are you are full of great, creative, incredible ideas. I can just I can tell your mind already. Yes, Visanti, gentle, Jaron, Abiku, please, 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 stay a while. 
at the Iron Citadel here in my home, please. You are honored guests. Stay a day, stay three, stay a week, stay a month, stay as long as you would like. We could even celebrate Adolin together if you wish, please. My home. He pauses as he sees like gentle <laughs> raise a hand. Yes, gentle. No one's gonna be upset um, about the cannons and the fighting, right? Because, and I like kind of oh. gesture vaguely at the people nearby that I like oh. knocked out. No, 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 no. Just a misunderstanding, a few broken bones, a couple of bruised egos, nothing that magic can't fix. And I must apologize mm, deeply, deeply and sincerely for the actions of my misguided Fang, my lieutenant. Don't worry, Sievert Wrathstone will be dealt with. Now might be a great time to let you know I got a 13 on my perception check. Okay, what about Gentle? I got a 19. Jaron, while this whole interaction has been happening outside, you notice that the cannons that Sievert had commanded to open on the wall are going back inside. Like, one by one, they're sort of like re retracting back into the fortress. Uh, and you also notice that the goons all around you are picking themselves up. They're like starting to like limp away from the scene of the fight. Like they're like cowing away from Tyrion a bit. Like he's definitely the big like dude in charge, right? Uh, and they're like retreating back toward the wall. Like none of them seem, they've all sheathed their weapons. And gentle with your 19, you can tell that there truly is no ambush waiting around the corner. There are no like secret compartments or doors sliding open with hidden weapons pointed at you. This is just pretty much what you see is what you get. Like people are, the goons are receding. Tyrion seems to be welcoming your party. Sievert is gone. The cannons are being put back into their slots. Doesn't seem to be an ambush with your 19. I think I just shoot uh, drawn like a little, probably an old call sign we used to do. Um, I just saying like a, we're all clear. I need to know, what does this call sign look like? It's a little bird. <laughs> I think the, the standard response is that Jaron does a little bird call back. But while while this is happening and while um, Abiku was talking to Tyrion, you said that they weren't speaking in common. Um, I assume that means that they were speaking in Ba? Mm-hmm. So given that Abiku has been teaching Jaron Ba on the side, how much of that conversation do you think that he was able to catch and understand? Probably not a lot, but like... Like 10%. Like a word or two here and there, right? Because you haven't been learning Ba for very long, and just like learning a new language, it's... You know, it, it takes some time. So you know they're definitely speaking in Ba, and based on the interaction, just even without knowing the language, seems a little tense, even though like Tyrion is nothing but like, seems to be like gesturing very vivaciously and like being very gregarious and welcoming to Abiku. But there's a kind of stiffness and I think awkwardness and discomfort uh, to Abiku's body language that perhaps gives you some pause. And I think you catch a couple of specific words that ring out to you. One of them is fail. Another one is friend. Another is understand, and another is pity. Those are the only four words you catch. At this point, Tyrion turns to your party, you know, continues to welcome you all inside the Citadel. Please, you are welcome into my Citadel as though you were family. Stay as long as you like. 
Is, sorry, isn't V your family? That's what did, we just went over? Well, yes, of course. But I'd like to extend the same kind of hospitality to all of V's friends. Because you are friends, after all, right? I am. I, I'd hope I am. I think the jury's still out on this one, but... Trying to come in. We're, uh... <clears throat> we're engaged. Engaged? My daughter! Engaged! To another paragon, you must be... Revenant. Yes? Rev, for short. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I am. Uh, this is... Nice to meet you, I guess. Uh, what... Uh, v would technically be dad-in-law? How does this... What would this... Uh, I mean, that's how it works, right? That's, you're just... If that's my father. Then... Uh, my future daughter-in-law. Come here. Come here, Revenant. And Tyrion steps forward and Rev goes, Oh, we're not... Oh, okay. Uh, and Tyrion, like, hugs her as well. Like, with the same kind of, like, gregarious, friendly energy that he hugged Abiku with and, like, sort of thumps her on her, like... A raven feather cape? Oh, uh, yeah. Nice to meet you, Tyrion. Please, please. You can call me dad as well. I will not be doing that yet. I just, I just feel like we have to know each other. It's been so... I'd love to get... Do you have coffee? I'd love to drink coffee right now if you have any. I could, I'll drink it. Anything, please, to just stop talking about this. Uh, Tyrion cocks his head to the side, smiles, I think, very judiciously. Yes, 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 of course, of course, of course. Please, come on in. And he flourishes his hands, and a seam ruptures open in the iron black wall behind you. The silhouette of a door frame glowing open, I think, with like a long vertical line bisecting the center to form like a double door situation. And the doors begin to push open, right? Slabs of concrete and steel and rebar and iron just folding open to greet all of you into the interior of the Iron Citadel. A massive main hall, like a corridor built for giants. Uh, tables carved from ancient oak and maple, ornate carpeting on marble floors, lush tongues of red velvet and gold trim, chandeliers of iridescent glass hanging from vaulted ceilings, fire roasting in massive hearths, just radiating warmth, doors, Hallways, corridors, stairways winding up to innumerable floors above your heads. The smell of wood smoke, coffee, meat swirling around all of you. And Tyrion sort of silhouetted, like his back turned to the hall, like he's facing all of you and he smiles. Come on in, come on in, please, please. This is my home, my citadel. Uh, any drink you would like, any food, any amenities, just ask, just ask. Yes, gentle. Do you have any tea? Absolutely. What kind of blend? Something traditional morosi. Traditional morosi. I can do you one better. Have you ever had ancient tea, 5,000 years old in brewing tradition, before morose was fully morose, when Jinka Da, the first paragon of Netbuza, walked these frosty steps? No? No. 
please feast your taste buds and your eyes, your nose, your smelling senses upon Nitbuza's flavor. And I think he, like, gestures outward, and a, a servant immediately hobbles forward, right? Uh, like, dra draped in the same colors as the Chromium Order, right? And, like, pulls out, has just, like, a tea set already in hand, right? With, like, a pot and, like, cups, six of them. One for each of you, Tyrion included, already poured with, like, tea in it. Like, he'd anticipated you would ask this. And, like, the servant, like, offers this tray up to you, gentle. And the smell of this tea is, well, it's unforgettable. It's like no other smell of tea you've ever sensed before. It's subtle, delectable, something invigorating about it, but still a, a layer of finesse to it. I think you see Gentle like absolutely trying their best to not like lose all composure. Like their hands are probably kind of shaking and happy stimming just because of like, this is a tea they've never had before and it's like, old and ancient and like they're probably trying to keep really cool and they just like politely grab it and just you see them sort of take a sip and just start like mulling it over and like they are they are gone right now mm. i really really like that yeah you you take a sip and mm, that is that is heavenly You've never had a tea taste like this before, right? It like pops open on your tongue and it's really smooth and there's like an aftertaste that's almost like a little smoky. Like it, the, the, the flavors are so complex, right? It like takes you a minute to take it all in, right? It's like layered. It's a work of art, really. And I think Tiran sees you like happy stimming a little and just like taking the tea in and says, a fellow tea connoisseur, I see. Yeah, you could say that. Well, I have More. all kinds of blends off to that wing for your perusal. However much longer you'd like to stay here, please, please, my grounds are your grounds. I have white blends, black tea blends, red tea blends, crimson, purple, chai, whatever you want. Noted. And gentle, still just like happy stimming a little. Any other amenities I can provide the rest of you? Perhaps some hot towels to dry off the frost from your faces? Some coffee from 3,000 years ago, beans I plucked myself and roasted? Or perhaps a sweet, uh, doesn't exist anymore, but it was created by a small tribe of nomadic farmers 7,000 years ago. I would love to try the sweet, actually, if you're offering. Absolutely. It is made of curdled goat milk blended with horn of Tarrasque. Question for the GM. Do Tarrasques still exist? No. They were like an ancient, massive monster uh, that, thank goodness, is sort of like all monster hunters, like, feeling about it no longer exist. Joran is going to very excitedly take these sweets from Tyrion himself for another servant who another servant yeah bustles forward as soon as he says it like they come forward with these things on trays you see like the hot towels right you see more tea for gentle you see these sweets right Joran is going to take a bunch of these sweets and noticeably is going to do not even trying to hide it is going to do the thing where they take a bunch and then like put them away in their pack for later Especially because they're thinking that the hounds would love this. As other monster hunters like Sitlali, Mercy, Oka, they would love to be able to eat these or to just even be able to hold something that used to have 
like that that has a Tarrasque in it. And I think that excitement kind of gets stymied a little bit by remembering like, right, I'm not a hound anymore and also don't really know where they are. But I think uh, they kind of just like shake that off a bit and like roll this like sweet around in their mouth trying to savor the different tastes of it. Mm, I really like that. I think Turin is con continuing to lead your party deeper into the hall even as servants rush forward from dark quarters with like trays full of like goodies for all of you. And as you go deeper into this foyer, you notice that similar to Dr. Aluso's cottage, there are tons of just artifacts and knickknacks all over the place. Uh, the majority of them are elevated on like little pedestals and like ensconced in these like glass cases. You see like full on skeletons of monsters that no longer exist anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think like the, the centerpiece is actually the, the skeleton of a Tarrasque in the back. Like a massive, like a gargantuan beast that's just towering all the way up, like up, up, up past like multiple floors of a, like a full skeleton set, uh, winding its way like around a staircase built into, into the flight of, of stairs and the banister. Uh, you also see like, globes full of liquid with like weird oils suspended between like floating like different kinds of colors just shimmering through it you see like i think like butterflies actually like real actual insects and bugs start like like fluttering around almost like this is also like a, a, a conservatory or something like just floating around your faces as he like leads you deeper in and these bugs you've never seen bugs like this before insects even birds swooping around like in the rafters like also, like huge suits of armor with some sort of like craftsmanship that definitely doesn't exist anymore, stuff like that. Like beautiful pieces of art and jewelry that were not made by a nation you recognize. As we're walking through it, uh, I think Jaron sees all of these different skeletons of like long extinct monsters and like rushes over to maybe the Tarrasque in the middle and kind of gets down on his hands and knees and is like staring down at like the hind legs and says, so that's how they, that's how the feet connect to its body. No one's ever been able to find this missing bone before. And Dron like excitedly like looks over and like gestures for Gentle to come. Gentle, look, look. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, look. Do you see how the, the hind leg curves in that way? Like it's, it's obvious that they, that they weren't able to actually sit down because the knee do you see it's locked in place? I think Gentle's done this before where they just sort of like ask the right questions so Jaron just kind of can keep going. <laughs> they they get it, but they're also just like, I, I love this for you more. <laughs> oh, Jaron, actually, Tarasks could sit when they were still around. You see, the knee, that's a common misconception for people who see the skeleton. It's actually inverted, like antelopes. Fascinating. And I think Jaron pulls out uh, his notebook and starts like making notes about that and like drawing like a little sketch of the skeleton uh, so that they can sort of like have this for later as well. I want to whisper the V, or at least attempt to whisper the V. Um, when do we ask about the lady they kidnapped? You, you gotta, you gotta, it's called timing. We, let's get out of this hallway and. Okay, she is in the building. Do you know where? No, there is something that stopped the spell. What lady are you looking for? Perhaps I can help. And Tyrion turns, even though he's 15 feet like farther down, like pointing out things for Jaron. He just turns to look at the two of you. 
because he has a passive perception of 30. <laughs> oh my god. No sneaking out from dad. <laughs> oh, well, we were just sort of... Uh, there's a few things that we were kind of looking for here. Uh, an old friend of ours by the name of Tomba, this half-elf woman, does that uh, ring a bell? Do you perhaps have a Tomba here? Tomba? Tomba Demian, yes, of course. Yes, she's here. Would you like to see her? Oh, that might not be a good idea. You might overwhelm her. Uh, really unfortunate what happened to her. We're trying to nurse her back to health, actually. You didn't hear? Didn't hear what? A couple of weeks ago, uh, members of my order uh, witnessed a retinue of uh, what I can only imagine were leftover Kusing thugs after Kane, the champion, dissolved that gang, uh, traveling from Talmud toward the Nibalian border. My people intercepted, of course, something was off, I think, about the situation, and within the caravan, my people rescued a badly injured and poisoned Tomba Denyan from the retinue. They immediately ferried Tomba here to my citadel so I can personally oversee her recovery. After all, she... Well, let's just say we are brethren of a sort, so I have a vested personal interest in her health. She's currently comatose, I believe. We've been trying to rouse her from this state, but you can visit her if you wish. I'm sure all of the prayers and healing magic that you can provide will do nothing but help her in her recovery. Why do you ask? Are you seeking for her? Yes, her wife does not know what has happened. We found her hurts looking for her. So like when you save someone, you should like let their family know you saved them. Family? She has family? I was unaware. Yeah, I need to I need to vibe check on this whole situation. <laughs> okay, yeah. Why don't you all roll inside if you want? Oh my god, natural 20. 20 for 29. Oh my god, okay. 29 is the highest? Yeah, I got a 10, so. I think Jaron is just very distracted by all of the monster yeah, skeletons. Yeah, all the things everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, those teeth! <laughs> I rolled a 13. I'm guessing V's kind of more or less like looking at Jaron like we've got things to do come on um Abiku with your natural 20 at a 29 you get the sense that Tyrion is hiding something this isn't the full story here right uh but the way he's telling it is very like he's got all the specifics down and he doesn't seem to doubt himself at all uh when he's telling you what what's occurred right but there is there is something he's not saying Right, he's leaving something out. They say in bar, what are you not telling us? <sighs> Abiku Ishtar, so insightful. I should have guessed that a gigantic mage like you would pick up on this. Well, this isn't really my place or my story to tell you, but if you must know, if you must know what I'm leaving out, it is Tamba Denyan is also a draconic mage. We're the last two surviving. That makes sense from the other story we were told. Please, uh, please don't tell anyone about this. There are those out there who wish to hurt us, hunt us, perhaps, try to 
do unspeakable things, I suppose, in order to get information about our magic. Because the magic we wield as Draconic Mages is, of course, more powerful, more raw, more unbridled than any magic I have seen since the Thousand Year War. I think V is like a little like... <laughs> but because you are my daughter, Vasanti, my only daughter, my precious one, I'm trusting you and the rest of your friends, companions to guard this secret, yes? I'd rather not anyone else but your party know that I and Tamba Denyan are draconic mages. Things might get complicated if people were to find out. I hope you understand. I mean, as a paragon of Andake, it behooves me to do whatever is necessary to protect everyone in Andake, so if it protects people not to know that the dragons are here, great. And if it protects everyone else to know that you're here, you know, information is contextual, is it not? Certainly. Of course it is, my daughter. Yes, yes, Visanti, certainly, but what are you implying? I still have many questions, that's all, that's all. I'm just, let's get to know each other and what we both want out of this situation and maybe we can come to terms that uh, it's better that nobody knows that you exist and I'm quite agreeable to those terms and conditions. But let's, let's get to know each other. Let's spend some quality time, maybe over a bowl of, oh, I don't know, ice cream or something. Vasanti. I have to give you props. I really do. It's praiseworthy that you are attempting to threaten your father within 30 minutes of meeting me for the first time in your life. And I suppose I deserve that. Yes. Yes, I do. I should have... I should have fought for you harder. I should have believed the visions that the Weave was trying to show me. I shouldn't have just taken Sievert's word for it. I should have checked in on your mother. I have much to apologize for. I have many regrets in my life, Visanti, but none are so ardent as the regret of not getting to see you turn into this powerful young woman that you've become. You're right. Let's get to know each other more. I think, um... V's hand is probably really close to Rev's and just, but like a little bit behind her back. And I think like Rev can just feel V's hand, like maybe hold on to like part of v, uh, Rev's cloak or something, or maybe even catches her hand a little bit and like squeezes a finger. And But meanwhile, like completely smiling, having a good time. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, for what it's worth, my mother spoke very highly of you until the end of her life. Oh, your mother. Paya. And you see, like, a kind of faraway look, like, settle onto Tyran's face, like, a, almost kind of, like, softness that's, like, rounding the hard edges of his smile. He's always been very gregarious up until this point, but he kind of pauses, almost, like, drifts off a bit as he's, like, looking off. Paya, she... <laughs> she was truly my better half. A tragedy that things ended between us the way they did. And again, I'm sure you have many questions. I'm sure you are angry at me, Visanti. I would be angry at me too, if I were you. But perhaps the exact details of my relationship with your mother, any more personal questions you might have for me, we can have a discussion in private. 
Of course, I wouldn't want, you know, as much as these are my friends, I don't need them here to hear the personal details of, of my course, childhood. Of course, of course. And you and I both understand that the most valuable resource in Endake is trust. And his eyes flick to Jaron and linger on it when he says that, and then flick back to you. You're absolutely right. Without trust, nothing can be brought forth that is good in this world of Endake. I'm glad we're on the same page about something, Visanti. Though, the hour grows late. We have days, weeks even, if you would like, to explore the Citadel, to get to know each other. I have a sievert, a fang emergency to attend to. I hope the four of you can understand. But in the meantime, uh, my servants will be more than happy to show you to guest quarters. Again, you can have the run of the Citadel as you would like. Yes, Abiku? Um, my brother is on the other side of the lake. Can someone go get go get them? I will send a boat out to the other side of Nitbuza's teardrop. This would be Costas, yes? And a large dog, Direwolf? Yes, that's Bud. Perfect, yes. I'll make sure Costas and Bud are ferried safely across and will also be welcomed in as guests. Oh, I have eyes and ears everywhere. You don't have to. And like, he's just sort of like waves like at wrist dismissively, like, of course he would know like who all of you are and what your names are and who you're traveling with. Wait, you have eyes in there everywhere, but you cannot find your daughter? <sighs> Abiku Ishtar. Huh. You really know just what to say at the exact right time, don't you? We, we should catch up as well. You and I, you and I, we can talk more what? about the... And he switches to Ba. Failure. Uh that I was mentioning earlier with you. In private, in private, of course. And he switches back to common. Any other questions? Anything else? I, I really have to run to attend to Sievert. But please, enjoy the skeletons. Enjoy the jewels, the gems. Uh, the chambers are splendid. I assure you, I assure you. There's a tapestry uh, somewhere here in the Citadel. One quite old belongs to Moreau's I would love to see it if you could point me in its direction. Oh, I have a lot of tapestries and a lot of walls here in the Citadel. You'll have to be a little bit more specific, Jaron. Uh, I believe it depicts the first Stranger War. Ah, yes, yes, of course, that tapestry. As a steward of the ancient past, I can't let just anyone tamper with particularly powerful, rare, or delicate artifacts that my order has dedicated ourselves to preserving. The tapestry that you seek is in a secure location in the Citadel, yes. It is highly guarded at all times, I do have to say, so if you see someone pacing a corridor armed to the teeth, don't be alarmed. They're simply guarding important artifacts. There are magical wards around this tapestry, of course, to ensure its perennial preservation as well. It is very, very old, half a myriad old, if you must know, at least. Let's, um, let's talk about the tapestry more after we, we settle in, after we break the ice a little. Couple of days, let's circle back on that topic a little bit. Why, uh, enjoy yourselves first, have the run of the ground, settle into your bed chambers. Anything else? Can I watch the meeting with Sievert? <laughs> It'll be like bring your daughter to work day. Visanti, 
We've only just met. I know, I know, it feels like we've known each other for years, but also for no time at all. I don't want you to see my vicious side, I think. And I don't think I'll be able to control it around Sievert, given everything he's done, all the lies he's preserved for years and years and years just to keep us away from each other. It'll get ugly. I don't want you to see that side of me yet, Visanti. I mean, if it's any consolation, I have burned down multiple buildings whenever I've met Sievert the last few times, so uh, I'm not a stranger to some anger. What about this? I'll conduct the interrogation by myself. Uh, I fear your presence may also distract him, but after it's all said and done, you can visit him. We can visit him together. I'll accept these terms and conditions. Thank you for understanding. And again, enjoy your chambers. Servants will be there at your beck and call. Just say that you want something. One will come hurrying out of the shadows. So good to finally meet you. Visanti, I... My darling. And he actually, he gives you, he hugs you again, right? Like, without even asking, he just pulls you into a big hug and holds you really tight. Oh. You have your mother's eyes. We'll talk. And he, like, squeezes your shoulder and nods and turns and disappears into a corridor. We're now gonna have, I think, a supercut. I think after the first night, like, as all of you are, like, settling into your chambers, like, scoping out the various floors, it's like a massive, sprawling fortress. There's, like, you think you've, like, discovered the entirety of a hallway, but then you find, like, a hidden door that leads into, like, another chamber, like, an attic area, like, basement, and it's just all over the place, right? You you aren't even able to explore, like, 5% of the Citadel on your first day. Um, after that first night, like, rolls around, you all receive some letters. Uh, letters from Jukai. In particular, Abiku, Jaron, and Gentle, the three of you get missives. Gentle, you receive a message from Sitlali. Abiku, you get a letter from Voska. And Jaron, you get a letter from Oka. Uh, and Jaron, you also get one from Sitlali. So I think, like, your characters have some, like, time to absorb these missives and what they say, and you all can check out our journal entries to see exactly what the what the letters say, if you would like. Uh, and in addition, I think, to receiving these missives, Costas and Bud are also ferried across the lake, like, I think the following day, and they are also, like, ushered into the Citadel as honored guests of Tyran's daughter. Right, so all of you are like treated with like the VIP experience. Like there are servants waiting around every corner, like waiting for, on your beck and call. Like you, you think out loud, you're like, hmm, I'm kind of thirsty, and boom, there's like water on a silver tray, like boom, like right next to your face. Right, like the only time I think you get any kind of privacy is in your bedchambers, uh, of which each of you get your own separate, like own, like huge lavish room. Right, uh, and Costas gets their own as well, and so does Bud. Bud is offered an entirely separate room by himself, and I think. I think he accepts the offer because he's like, oh, you know, well, I don't want to sleep with Gentle. But like he, he does insist that the room is next to Gentle, uh, but he does it in a way that doesn't make him seem clingy. You know, he's like, oh, it's, I just want to keep an eye on, on Gentle to make sure, you know, they won't run away from me and abandon me in the middle of the night again. You know, like that's that's their justification for, <laughs> for getting the room right next to you. But Bud gets his own, his own room. So I think this is the context for the week.
right? You've got the letters, Costas is here, Bud is here, you're being waited on hand and foot. I want to know what Jerron's up to. Yeah, Jerron, after hearing Tyrion's answer about the Morosan tapestry specifically, it kind of pinged something in his brain and he was like, Okay, sure. And so I think Jaron has been exploring the Citadel, trying to find where exactly the tapestry that we're looking for is being kept. And so that's why he keeps ending up in these like random corridors and like seemingly abandoned parts of the Citadel, like occasionally running into armed guards who are patrolling what seems like a blank wall with nothing behind it, only for Jaron to like once he's been camped out there for God knows how long, eventually see somebody like come out of it or go into it and realizing that it's actually magically sealed. And he keeps sort of like doing that uh, all along. Like, I think he's like drawing a map as he's going through to try and map out the Iron Citadel and like making notes of like what's where. And like every time he's like, okay, no, the tapestry is not here. It's gotta be like maybe down that area so i think that's like one of the things that he's doing right now today is he's in a new area uh, of the citadel somewhere like trying to find this tapestry so let's say it's like two days in to your stay at the citadel and you're trying to locate the tapestry chamber which oh my god based on your map you've only got like a tiny corner of it like mapped out like it's gonna take you a minute like just if you're gonna go like corridor by corridor it's gonna take you a long time and that's just a single floor and more than that two days in you're realizing the architecture changes like a corridor that you're sure you wrote down was there before it was not there and there's like a new a new like ladder that wasn't there before that leads into like a floor that you were are like certain because you wrote it down on your map was not there like the previous day so like stuff about the rooms they seem to shift like magic here is so thick and pungent the weave is everywhere so i think jaron where we find you this day is along a blank stretch of wall where there are chromium guild mercenaries patrolling the length of this corridor and you wait until they're like they've both turned around and this length is empty and you find i think a hidden door right? You're like smart enough to like perceive there's this like minuscule like seam. And I think you're able to pick the lock if you so choose and like get it open. But as soon as you enter the space, you realize, oh, it's, it's just a broom closet. It's tiny. There's like nothing else in here. It's just like a storage unit. And as you turn to try to leave, the door's gone. Like it's gone, gone? It's gone. Uh, it's above, not again. Okay. I think this isn't the first time that this has happened to Jaron, and so they're just here like, okay, there has to be, there has to be a sigil or a something, and so they kind of take their uh, left hand, the one with the prosthetic, and they run it along the wall where the door should have been and is now not there, and they're trying to cast Identify to try and see, like, is there a magical door here somewhere or did the architecture change and this is actually just a wall now? In the middle of the spell beginning to weave itself into existence from your prosthetic, V, I think that's when you enter the closet uh, from a completely different location. So V, tell me what you've been up to during this time. Um, I think over the course of this next day or two, V has kind of two things in mind. I, I, I imagine V is one, like, yeah, she wants to find this tapestry. She's kind of mosing about, but I think even more burning in her is a desire to find Sievert and Sievert's room. 
wherever that wherever he might be kept right now whatever's going on uh so she is going from room to room and i think actually while walking through all these artifacts she like she's in this big hallway like not a hallway hallway but like a grand like open hall with filled to the brim with artifacts and she sees sitting on a pedestal on like a dais the gauntlet that Sievert and her were trying to steal from Jukai many years ago and she just like oh my eights and as she like quickens her pace towards it there's like a trap right in front of it that she just goosh and she just falls through and I think like you know she's she can tell that she's in something magic that this is like not just a hole and all of a sudden like space and time just seem to open up and she just like falls from the ceiling but like gently and all of a sudden just like she's on the floor in this weird little closet and she turns not you oh my god what what v how did you get in here and Jaron starts looking around, like, frantically, looking, trying to see, like, where's the door that V just came in through? I, I fell through, and, like, V looks up and realizes there's nothing in the ceiling to, like, designate a, an opening of any time. Um, and I think V, like, takes in this room, sees, like, there's no doorway in here. How did you get in here? And with his hand still on the wall, like, in the middle of, like, casting Identify, there was a door here, and now the door is gone. Apparently, your father likes to be kept on his toes while walking around the corridors. Oh, sure. Blame this on my father. Why would... Is this not your dad's citadel? What? What? Is that a... Are you asking me a legit question right now? Are you... Was... I can't tell if that was rhetorical. Or you're making a statement. V, uh, just... Can you cast something? Can you get us out of here? I've been trapped in here for, well, I guess not that long. But last time I got trapped in a corridor I was, or in a closet, I was stuck there for a few hours before I was able to get out. And then what happened after you got out of there? I went looking for a different corridor. Okay. Well, I mean, I think V kind of like chuckles or something like, this is a nice place. You could stay here. We'll just... We know you won't get in any trouble here. If I'm stuck in here, V, you're also stuck in here. I mean, I could, I haven't even tried, you know, I could try to dimension door out of here, try to teleport. I, I've got some magical things. How do I know? I can't just like be out of here like that. Take me leave. with you. Try and take me with you. What's in it for me? And ally not being trapped in a closet for the entirety of the rest of our stay here? There might be people who we both consider, you know, acquaintances that might enjoy that you're stuck in one place and can't cause any harm to anybody. V, I really... I know that you and I don't necessarily get along, but I think... I think Gentle might be right. If you have something to say, say it. We're not going anywhere. Honestly, what in the all of the eight were you thinking to try and not only negotiate with Adam after I told you not to, and then you consider 
oh, this idea of killing a, a paragon will change fate and time and Oka will live. Like, what is went through your mind? Are you actually asking or are you... Is this rhetorical? Do you actually care to know why? If it was rhetorical, I would have just tried to get out of here without you. Fine. I recognize that what I did was wrong. I want to preface this with that. But if you're asking, the reason that I did all of that was because, well, first of all, I didn't even think that I would meet Adam when I went into the chrysalis. I remembered what you said about not talking to him, and I, well, I got caught and was forced into a conversation with him. I couldn't exactly just pretend he wasn't there when he was. And then when he spoke, he said things that, well, they kind of made sense at the time. Which I guess is just how he works, how he tricks people. I recognize that now, but at least at the time, it seemed like a way to undo prophecy. Save not only Oka, but also you as well. All of the other paragons. I mean, what? I didn't know old Mama Lightning at the time. All I knew was that she was working for a criminal organization. What? It didn't seem like didn't seem like that bad of a price to pay, I guess. People might have said at some time that an, a V dying, being killed, wouldn't be that high of a cost. You would have looked at what I've done in my life and said, eh, we won't miss her. And, I mean, just based off of what Oka has said about you, it seems like that's no longer the case, right? You know how I know that you can't trust Adam? How? The reason... Why I was advertising, promoting the chrysalis so hard after we uh, got Vanash. I made a deal with them. I said that I would do what I did if Adam agreed to kill Sievert. Wait, that's it? That's what you worked with the chrysalis for? To be fair, at the time, they seemed a lot less powerful. Sure, Adam took a fireball to the face like it was nothing and just sort of absorbed it, and that was a little strange. But I figured if he's that powerful, then you, you could... Did I you just know? had a fight. What? Did you, did you know anything about the Chrysalis when you made this deal? What they I, did to people? I knew they had monsters that... Um, we're probably feeding on people. I knew that they had contracts that if you signed it, you were probably under their and influence. And you still made this deal just so that they could kill Sievert. Yes. And Jaron walks up to V and gets uncomfortably close to her, lowers his voice, and in this painstakingly controlled way, says, and you still have the gall to judge me for what I did? At least I can admit that what I did was wrong. That I was a monster. Can you? And the door opens. Uh, light filters into this closet as a door has materialized. And I think like a servant is like opening and like is like reaching for a tray. Oh, oh. 
My apologies, I didn't realize Lord Tyran's honored guests were here. How did you... would you like out? That would be lovely. I think V is like still eyes locked on. And I think there's like a moment before V starts to move towards the exit. And then she turns around and says, when I made my deal, I didn't know. I didn't have people warning me not to go. You knew and you went anyway. And that's way worse. And then V exits. And on V leaving, right, and Jerron standing in the closet for a beat more before exiting the servant, like, fretfully looking between the two of you, sensing the tension, but it's another place to comment on it. Uh, we are going to cut to Gentle. Gentle, how have you been occupying your time here in the Iron Citadel? Um, honestly, probably a mix of, like, trying to learn a lot about, like, old tea and probably just cooking. If I can, if I can get access to a kitchen, that feels like it might be a challenge. You are, if you ask, they allow. So I think like we cut to like you in a kitchen, like in one of the servants' quarters, and they're just like cooking, cooking stuff up, right? Like it's like a beautiful, almost like industrial like kitchen, but it also feels kind of old. Like a lot of the appliances, the stoves, right? A lot of the implements are brand new, but the kitchen itself, the space seems ancient. It's massive, right? And the fumes all vent through like a chimney, uh, and there's like a hustle and bustle for, for like a dinner call that's happening here, and you're given a station. Right. And like a couple of like the cooks and the chefs, you know, the line cooks, the prep cooks are just sort of like giving you a wide berth. They're like glancing at you and like they offer to help. You know, they're like, you know, like one of them is like this burly, fearful woman who's like, uh, you sure you don't want any assistance? Uh, you don't have to cook. Uh, we're, we're more than happy to cook. You can just rest and tell us what you want to eat and we can make it. No, but I do like to cook just for my own benefit, but also, um, I, I do like to make bud food, uh, by, by hand. I think it's important that Bud has handmade food by me. Right, yeah, the uh, massive dire wolf. Are you sure? It's, I mean, he's not gonna take a bite out of any of the line cooks here? No, he uh, has a very expensive taste, thanks to a friend of ours. Right. And I think we've cut over to Bud, who's also in the kitchen, but just on the ground, just sort of like sniffing big wet nose going with all the fumes and like all of the workers in the kitchen are giving him like a massive berth, but like none of them are saying anything about it because it's, you know, the dog of one of the honored guests here. Well, all right, if you need anything, if you want to know where all the ingredients are, where any of the knives are, etc., just let me know. Thank you. Um... Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you want? Like, I know oh, no, you always no, 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 no. cook it. Oh, don't worry about it. That's that's our job. We love it here. Yeah, yeah. The pay's really good. You know, the benefits are nice. But I, I, I like, I don't mind though. I can cook. No, 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 no. Like... Please, please. It's our, it's our, it's our job. Uh, we t we take uh, a lot of pride in being able to make really good food for the guests here and for all the chromium mortar folk. Fair enough. Well, yes. I'll make extras, so if you want a little, feel free. Oh, oh, please, no, no, please don't. Don't make extras on our account. Uh, if you do happen to have leftovers, uh, I might take a bite or two, but it's fine. We, we, it's fine. It's, 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 it's. And they're like chopping a carrot and not looking at the carrot as they chop, right? Just really fast and putting it into like, a stew while they look at you. Yeah, I think stew is actually the operative word because I think Gentle's going to make a big stew and Gentle knows how to cook for a lot of people. So, yeah, Gentle's just going to quietly get to work on this. Yummy. Uh, and Jerron, 
at what point during the cooking process do you show up? I think um, as gentle is kind of in the part of uh, making a stew where you just kind of have to stand over the pot for for a long time and just kind of like stir it every now and then, you know, when you're kind of nearing that stage of the process. That's when he shows up and he actually walks in with his hair up in a ponytail. I think he's been wearing it that way more often since the visit to Kane. And they show up with their hair in a ponytail and they're holding this like very small um, pair of like round objects in their hand. And they walk in and they kind of like peek their head into the kitchen. Gentle. Uh, I thought I might find you here. Ooh, what? That smells really good. What is that? Oh, uh, I was just kind of making a stew. Um, and like Gentle like leans in and whispers in like Raven speech. Uh, they they said they couldn't have any, so I'm gonna make a big helping for everyone, so they can get some too. And back in Raven speech, Jaron will say. That's a good idea. I mean, I think they deserve it after all of the uh, work that they're doing. And John just kind of like nervously like smiles at like one of the cooks that are nearby. Um, between you and me, it's kind of uncomfortable to just say, you know, what if I had this and to just suddenly have it be uh, shoved in your face. Um, but that's that's not why I'm here, um, actually. And Jaron just kind of like straightens themselves and they uh, clear their throat and they look kind of nervous and they hold out the objects in their hand. I was tinkering and I made these for you. Um, put them, put them in your ear. Okay. Um, sure. And dental will do it. When you put these like small little objects in your ears, they're like very soft and they kind of go into your ears very easily. And you suddenly start to hear, um, like, brown noise going. This, like, deep, like, resonant sound that is just constantly playing on repeat. And as you do so, I imagine the purpose of this is essentially to help with sensory overload. It's to help with sort of, like, any sort of extraneous sounds that you might have and to sort of, like, calm, gentle, and, like, focus him a little bit. Mechanically speaking, uh, I'm using my magical tinkering in order to imbue a tiny object with a with a nonverbal sound. Really nice. <laughs> it's incredibly sweet. Do they do they work? I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I tr I tested them on myself first, but um, it was uh, I I feel like our experiences might be a little bit different, so I wasn't quite sure if it was the right frequency or the right sound if it's if it's no drawn drawn um i think like gentle just kind of takes a second like maybe about 10 seconds just sort of getting a feel for it and then takes the right one out um so this works because with one i can still hear everything around me just in case something goes wrong and this filters out a lot of it so Thank you. Um, do, did you want anything back for this, or...? Oh, no, and Jerome just kind of, like, like rubs the back of his head, like, nervously. No, I, um, I just thought that it would be nice to give you something, especially now that I'm, uh, could, could use the practice. Anyway, 
in order to, to, to make things and you're always making us tea so I figured that this might be a nice way to give you something back I think like gentle takes just big consideration of that if, like like kind of lost over how, what th this gesture is incredibly kind for them uh, and gentle just sort of looks and smiles like in a very I think just honest and sincere big grin um I want you to understand that this may be the greatest thing anyone's ever given me it's so loud normally and like this I can think a lot clearer um and I think gentle even begins to like eyes begin to water a little bit are you sure you don't want anything back for this? Like, I need to at least make you a special tea blend or something. No, so no, gentle, gentle, stop. And Jaron gets a little bit closer to gentle and holds their hand, one of their hands. It's just a gift for you. And I, for one, would love to hear your thoughts, if you're willing to share. Sure. Um, and like, gentle, I think, honestly puts on a more pondering face. Um, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the hounds and you and me and what happens after we save Ndake when you, I mean, I guess, I, I still consider you a hound, but when you were fired, um, I had to think about what happens if I were to be fired or the hounds were to disband because well, I was just going to say I can't really see Mercy firing you specifically to be yeah. honest until I feel like you might outlast Mercy even in, in the hounds I was thinking about what if Mercy retired or anything because I mean it, it, it's Mercy's name um, but I, I, I've been thinking about what happens after this and I still want to go help people and don't tell anybody, but I have been thinking about either after we save Ndake or maybe making my own group to go travel the world and continue to help people like we do now. Because monster hunting, it's fun, especially the empty monsters are bad, so it's easy to hunt them. But I also like being able to cook food and I guess sometimes talk and help people feel better. That's... Something I like a lot more. So, like, a traveling mercenary group if we were to not kill people, but kill their demons, I guess? Yeah, kind of like doctors, but like doctors who fight things a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What would you call this group? I have thought of a name, and it could be not good okay, um and gentle like is a little excited about this the gentle wolves i really like that actually the gentle wolves it has a nice ring to it i would like to put in my application for the gentle wolves if i oh may. that's really funny because i was just going to uh ask if you wanted to be my second whenever we form it I would love to, gentle. Yes. 
<laughs> like gentle's very actually like happy about this um yeah well i guess we can figure out the building of like the stuff later but i also want to make sure that we get treated right and like everyone gets benefits and stuff um since mercy you know but i, yeah. I want to be able to take care of all of us and i know you will be good at helping me take care of me to take care of you all if that makes sense that does make sense i think maybe we could do more of like a co-op structure than the way that mercy runs the house that's hounds. also great yeah hey Jeron! there you are and coming into the kitchen is costas who, even though it's hot as hell in the kitchen, still has their furred hood up, like casting a shadow over their face, like leather armor just all up the wazoo. Uh, twin swords strapped to their back perennially, like they're never not armed to the teeth. They like sort of pick their way, you know, over Bud, and they actually say, hey, low five, buddy. And Bud raises a paw and they high five each other uh, on Costas's way in. Seems like they've bonded while you were separated. Uh, Jaron, hope I'm not interrupting, like, a tender moment or something, but, you know, I just wanted to circle back on the whole date thing, uh, just, just to let you know, listen, I think you're a great guy. Well, actually, no, I don't, but I, you got me in a moment of weakness, okay? You got me in a, in a rough moment. Abiku, I've been mulling over what Abiku said about me just jumping at, you know, a date because I'm lonely or whatever, and Bud and I had a good talk back on the shore, you know, while you guys were gone, and, uh, I'm sorry, but, um, I don't think you're ready to date me. Uh, and I don't want to date you at all, ever, probably in my life, forever, so... I guess this is me rejecting you, so... Sorry, Bud. Um... Honestly, that's okay. Uh, thank it's okay, you, you can swallow the tears, it's fine. Oof, this is awkward. Ooh. Wow, yeah, I know I'm a catch, but uh, you gotta work on yourself, I think. I don't know if you're ready to date anyone ever, maybe, so... Oh, ever. Ever. I mean, that's not yeah. for me to say, it's for you to find out how long it'll take before you're prepared to, you know, before you become a better person, is what I mean. Yeah, Costas, maybe you can teach me a little bit about being No, a I don't person. think it's appropriate. I think you your feelings for me might be too strong for me to be a proper mentor figure right. for you, and I don't want to put myself yes. through that. So Of course. Conflict yeah. of interest, right? Yeah, yeah it's mad. yeah, actually this is Alright, I just don't we can work together as coworkers. This is fine, right? But uh anything more than that, let's let's not. I don't wanna know how you're feeling. I don't know. Don't want to know how I you're know, doing. I might not be able to. I just to, said I don't want to know how you're feeling, okay. Jeron. Please yeah. respect that boundary. Thank you, uh, Gentle. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. I'm glad you and Bud got along. He hasn't yeah. told me a lot about your talk yet, but. Oh really? I'm surprised. Well, I mean, we do have a kind of connection that transcends, you know. But Did we just say anything about like my my parenting style. I don't think that's appropriate for me to disclose right now, and, uh, yeah. Bud, just, uh, see you later. Just remember, thornberry bushes. Oh, yeah, the thornberry bush. <laughs> and they, like, laugh at this weird inside joke that they made in, like, the eight hours <laughs> that your party has been separated. Costas nods, turns, leaves. I'm sorry you got rejected? I... It's okay, I think. I'll I'll live. 
Uh, and I think on that, we cut over, rounding out our montage for the week, we cut over to Abiku. Abiku, what have you been up to this week? Abiku has been, without a doubt, glued to the hospital bed of Tamba, if one such exists. The only mm. time she's taken a break is if Costas has come to make her. And if she's taking a break, she's, if allowed, going over these cannons. And if not, she's looking for the cannons to, like, write down each name. Mm. Abiku, I think you have been led to, like, a private little medical ward uh, and allowed to, to, to see Tamba properly, right? Like, I think you, the first time you see her, she's lying in a bed, eyes are closed. This half-elf woman, very muscular, right? With this like kind of short hair crop of like butch hair, uh, just like arms splayed out in front of her, like uh, above the blanket. Uh, and I think there's like these like arcane, I think like sigils floating around her, ding, 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 like pinging, like radiating, I think like a kind of healing energy. And she's just there, like almost like she's in a deep sleep, right? Uh, and there is, I think a mage nearby who's like sort of like swiping, like a chromium mage, like swiping through the sigils and like pulling a couple like uh, wards down, a couple up, and they like nod and leave to like give you time and space to like look at Tamba. Uh, and I think you would be able to tell over the course of several days that Tamba, I mean, what Tiran said seemed to be true, seems to be in like a comatose state or some sort of like deep, unconscious state of being. And I'll let you make a medicine check if you want to sort of see if you can discern more about what's afflicting her. Let's see. 17. 17. Poison. Sort of like how Tiran said, Tamba seems to be in the state because, like, some sort of deep, very vicious neurological, some sort of magical poison is, like, preventing her from gaining full function over her facilities. Uh, and you, you get the sense that, like, with your 17, the sigils seem accurate for, like, keeping the poison from spreading further, right? It's But, like, it seems like maybe the medics are currently stumped for how to draw it out. Okay, so I have a spell, Healing Spirit, which is usually you summon it and it, like, gives you 5 HP every round or whatever. Can I try to use this spell to summon this spirit to try and remove a toxin? Because, like... Like, I want to try and use magic to try and remove this toxin, so I want to, like, summon this spirit to help me. I think based on how this toxin works, why don't you just tell me what the spirit looks like as you summon it? I think it is a nondescript humanoid shape, so it's, like, humanoid-shaped, uh, like, two arms, two legs, a head, but it's, like, all, uh, this, like, purplish light. I think it appears like like a silhouette of it just floats, I think, across the bed from you and starts to sort of like almost like an aurora borealis, like comes out from its hands. It's like nebulous arms as it's like trying mm -hmm. to like pull this poison out of Tamba, but nothing happens. Like this healing spirit, this kind of magic isn't sufficient, you get the sense, to like draw whatever like deep neurological toxin is racking through T Tamba's body. And I think right before the healing spirit dissipates, like you dismiss it, you think you catch a glimpse of short twists in their hair, and then phew, it's just gone in a puff of like, I think, uh, purple haze. Abiku will take, I'll take Tamba's hand, and I'm just gonna be talking to her about like, 
how her wife misses her and they she's looks so like I'm just like reminding her that like she like to keep fighting if she can hear me. Mm, mm. And I think it's on this scene that we find gentle entering. Hi. Oh, uh, hello. How are you doing? Uh, I um, not well, but not as bad as Tamba. That's fair. Do you want to talk about it? Um, I don't know. Do you know anything about healing people? Yes. I I think I just I feel so bad because Tamba has someone here, who, not here, but you know that cares for her, and, like, she doesn't even know where she is. She doesn't know what happened to her. Hmm. I can try to see if I can help at all. And can I make a medicine check? You can. All right, that's a good stat there. Don't mess it up. 26. This poison is really intense. This is one of the most sophisticated neurotoxins I think you've ever diagnosed or encountered. It's like a very, very rigorous one. And knowing that, like, regular healing magic won't work. It it requires a specific antidote. Uh, but with a 26, I don't know if you know what the ingredients of the antidote would entail. You'd have to, like, get a better sense of the poison first. Like, draw it out somehow. Okay, I have an unhinged question. Yeah. Is there any way I could draw it out? Because I am legally immune to disease and poison. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, you are. So the process of drawing the toxin out could kill Tomba if you roll poorly, I would say, if you're like actually trying to like physically draw the poison out through her pores with magic. Um, but if you just wanted to get a sampling out so you could try to figure out an antidote for it, the risk would be much lower. Uh, sampling is what I'm aiming for. Okay. How do you use your monk prowess to do that? I think it is sort of a... Um, full body like check of everything of like the gentle very perceptive I think of like the body in general um, especially with the healing hands sort of doing a like the scan over and seeing what like where are there like things that feel off almost like a, a body vibe check I guess is the best way I could describe it um, if that suffices Sounds good. Yeah, I think maybe you put your hands over and like sort of sweep up and down, similar to how we saw Bosca sort of coax out the soul during the interlude episode, right? You sweep up and down, and I think we see little particulates of poison starting to float up through Tomba's pores. So I need you to make me an Arcana check to see how successful and stable the magic is. Oh, maybe helping at all? You can help. Tell me how. Okay. Can I, can I, can like gentle be instructing me on what to do? I didn't know if that would be sufficient to me helping or if that would be distracting. Cause like, I don't do this. Like I've seen Vasca do something similar. I talking during gentle, uh, like to gentle during them working on stuff would probably be more overwhelming than less overwhelming. Okay. And I probably can't help. Yeah. All right. Everyone believe in me. Okay. Not great. That's, that's a 12. 12. You're only able to draw out a little bit of poison because anything further, you're probably going to hurt her or make her condition worse. So just a tiny little bead, I think, of this, like, swirling, like, it's like a milky white kind of poison, like, uh, like serpent, you know, like, 
uh, venom, you know what I mean? When you milk a, milk a snake, it's like a milky white poison that just swirls in a bead. Up, 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 and that's all you get. Okay, so I got some. It could have been better, but maybe we can get someone who's a bit better at the analysis part of this to help figure out the poison and how to, like, fix it? Yes, that, that could be good. Um, would you like to work with me? I've been here, I think, two days? I It's hard when you don't sleep. Yeah, I'd love to. So, how, how have you been? Tired. Like, like, do you need to take a nap? No, no. Like, just worried about everyone. Oh, yes, I was worried about everyone for a while. And then I stopped caring, and I don't know if that's better. Mm, that's... Mm, as someone who cares maybe too much from what I've heard, maybe caring some is still good? Well, it was just very... Oh, it's exhausting. Yeah. Caring, like, trying to help the paragons, um in with the whole like dewey thing and then there was it was it was not a great departure that understandable i personally think that caring at least a little bit is good um because then you have something to fight for um and i think you can care too much that you can get a little hmm too ambitious uh i think jaron would be a good example of the other end of the spectrum and he knows that i, I love them a lot but too much care can be concerning as well mm. i i have a hard time because when i care about people i think i care too much but now it seems i do not care at all what happens really i i wanted to help fee because I told her I would back when I was caring more, but now I'm not too sure I care what's going on, you know? Huh. I can understand that. In terms of the people here, do you want to see everyone be their best version, to be a happier version, a safer version? I just want to see people not need me. I think gentle nod's a little too, like... Honestly, at that, <laughs> um, that's fair. And for what it's worth, I don't really plan on going anywhere. But you are a good person. Everyone here is a good person, I think. Except I'm told Jaron's not a good person. I don't, I don't know them very well, so I can't make my own judgment call. But you are a good person, and I know V and Rev and Costas. I don't know V's dad, so I can't speak for him either. From how I see it, I would say that you are a good person. You, you are very direct and honest in a way that I think is helpful. At least for me, I appreciate it. Um, and I think you care a lot for what you remember. And I think you are still helping save Indake, which... I think that's ultimately a really good thing to do. And sometimes I am worried I am just trying to make up for something I failed at. Fair. But 
maybe while trying to make up for stuff you think you did wrong, you can try to be a better version of yourself and or a happier version of yourself. Maybe. Have you ever met Taktor Kagan? No. And I think on that, right, like we're, we pull, <laughs> we pull away from this conversation, right? And like, let it fade to black a little bit there. Um, pulling away from this chamber with the swirling sigils and that inky sphere of milky white toxin. And like that, eight days pass, a week in Andakin terms, of Abiku, Gentle, Jaran, and V exploring the Citadel, getting to know each other a little bit better, trying to poke holes into what Tyrion was saying about what's really going on here, trying to find answers about the tapestry, about Tamba. And I think eventually the Wheel of Time turns onward until it's bare 14, Jaron's birthday. So, on the morning of your birthday, Jaron, where do we find you? I don't think Jaron is expecting anything for their birthday. Because with the group that we're with, maybe with the hounds, you know, it would have been different. But given that the group that we're with and the animosity, to put a fine point on it, between some of the people here. Yes, I'm looking at UV. Um, I don't think Jaron is actually expecting anything. So maybe on the morning of their birthday, um, they're just like pouring over their notes of the Aran Citadel um, and of anything that they've been told by Elder Pohaku and anything that they may have learned previously about the Morosan Tapestry. And they're just kind of like going over everything, trying to figure out like what is our next best like avenue in trying to find it and trying to interpret it. Mm. So which one of you finds Jaron in his private chambers as he's trying to have a, it seems like a low-key birthday, right? You're not sort of going around being like, it's my birthday. I see Gentle's hands already raised. Go ahead, Gentle. What's Jaron's favorite food? I think Jaron's favorite food is like a fish that is like maybe like smoked over a fire in a very particular way with like morosan, traditional morosan spices on it. But his actual favorite food that he would, that doesn't actually count as a food is like the morosan version of beaver tails. Oh. Like the dessert, like the, you put the maple syrup on the snow and then you like twirl it into like a little candy stick. I thought you meant literal beaver tails. No, not literal beaver tails, like the Canadian dessert beaver tails. <laughs> Okay, Confused American silence <laughs> from literally everyone else. Look, this is the representation. No, okay. I've, I've looked it up. I've looked it up. I, I'm ready. Um, I mean, uh, a morose and beaver tail does sound like a good morning food, like a morning snack. So absolutely, uh, Gentle would just sort of like do like the lightest little knock. Uh, yeah, yeah. Come on in. It's not locked. Um, and I think gentle and bud begrudgingly, um, come out and say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, oh my, oh, uh, <laughs> I wasn't actually expecting anybody to, uh, remember, let alone, is that, did you put, did you make bud wear a hat? 
I had asked if Bud would be willing to, and Bud said no, and then he put on the hat. So Bud chose to wear the hat. Gentle promised I could eviscerate it when this was over. Oh, well, I mean, I hope you have a good time with that. If it's anything like the way that you used to play with those wooden dice that I gave you, I mean. Don't try to forge a connection here. Don't try to relate to me, old man. But How right. old are you now anyway, huh? You're so old. I bet you're like four years old now. I am 25 now. Oh my God. Uh, Death's door. But I'm not like that much younger than Jaron. Yeah, but you've got like monk stuff. So you'll like live forever, right? But that's not how like I'm that's not exactly how that works. Like I'm going to look the same but, like, I still get older. Oh. Oh, I, I see. But, but, but uh, today's not about that. Happy birthday, Jaron, I guess. Woo, enjoy your morosin beaver tail. You want to share it with me? Yes. And Jaron, like, gets down on, uh, kind of squats down and offers Bud the first bite. This doesn't mean, this doesn't mean I'm, like, Back to being a hound or whatever. This just means I, I want to eat that beaver tail really bad. That's okay. I'm not a hound either, for what it's worth. That was delicious. I mean, I guess it was okay. You can have the rest of it if you want. <laughs> yeah, and Bud just scarfs it down. I guess I'll have to make more later. That's fine. Right. Any excuse to have more of them around. I will make some more. Do you have any sort of like preferred one for your birthday? Because that one's more of a surprise one. But now that I know, now that you know, then I can just like make one however you want. I mean, uh, no, I mean, it's sweet that you would even ask, but whatever. Actually, okay. Do you remember that one time on, I believe it was Adolin when we were like 12 years old and one of the elders made this like new experimental style and nobody, nobody wanted to eat it. I actually thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I remember I think wasn't it a dare for you to eat that? It was, and honestly it wasn't even that hard. Fair. Um, I yeah, I think I remember the recipe. I'll do my best to, to make it. Um, I did actually have a, another gift as well. Um, and then Gentle, like, reaches into their, uh, like, pack and they pull out a, uh, tea diffuser. Um, I talked to, uh, Dr. O about making a couple for Oka and Sitlali since we were gonna head up here. And I had one made for you, too, because I knew your birthday was coming up. Oh, Gentle, you didn't have to. I know. This is beautiful, by the way. You said that you made these? Well, Dr. O did a lot of the work, but I had some design uh, ideas and references uh, in plan. And what is that smell? Are th is there already tea leaves inside? Yeah, no, I I grabbed like my best morosi ones and, because I know you like the uh, and yeah. This is <laughs> this is really kind of you, gentle. Thank you. Of course, happy birthday. I suppose. Thank you. Um, I'll get back on making, uh, I guess, more beaver tails and then some decoy bud beaver tails as well. Actually, before you go, um, 
And Jaron gets up and like walks over to their desk. Do you want to help me? Uh, I couldn't remember some. I was thinking about all of the things that we were taught as kids about how to interpret Morosi tapestries. And I remember there being three principal ways to sort of like ta- uh, read a tapestry and I couldn't remember them all. Do you want to help me just flush out my notes? Sure. And I think Jaron uh, directs Gentle towards uh, his notebook and just kind of like shows them their notes and they kind of like go in and like fill in the gaps together. Mm. And I think all the two of you pouring over Jaron's notes, we're going to cut over to V. So on the morning of Bear 14, V, you and Rev are roused, I think, by a rapping on your door and the sound of a servant's voice saying, uh, Lady Noxherzo, uh, the Lord Tyrion would like to see you in one of his offices today for a, I believe it was an ice cream ketchup. Excellent. Uh, wonderful. Uh, I think V, like, sort of, like, just checks herself, makes sure, like, she's, you know, she's in her clothes, uh, she doesn't have, like, all the spiky gear on, but she's like, uh, looks to Rev, am I presentable? Uh, okay. Uh, you look beautiful. Hey, hey, just remember, I know it's your dad that, you know, I know how much this moment means to you, V, uh, but ju- you don't, you don't owe him anything, okay? But just try to ask him all the questions you have, all the questions that were never answered, and don't let him get away with anything, all right? I'll do my best. And... He like smiles and maybe gives a quick kiss to Rev and then turns towards the servant and follows them out into the main common area. Uh, Rev calls after you, I love you, uh, as you step out into like the hallway and the servant leads you through a series of winding corridors, like miniature chambers, other foyers, down a staircase, up a staircase. You have to actually climb up a ladder. Servant's apologizing this whole time, right? You like go down another like massive hall, what looks to be an abandoned dining room. And then eventually you circle around what seems to be like an indoor, almost like roundabout situation, like a central atrium with like various like spokes leading off of it. And one of the spokes, one of these massive hallways that the servant leads you down toward, leads toward a massive double door office. Servant raps on it twice briskly and says, uh, Lord Tyrion, your daughter is here. And you just hear a muffled voice from beyond go, Ah, yes, yes, of course, let her in. And the doors fling open to reveal like a massive office, a beautiful office. There are just like floating motes of magic all over the place. Little, I think, illusions of like animals just swimming like close to the ceiling, almost like an aurora borealis. There's like a balcony area currently drawn that le- that looks out over Nitbiza's teardrop, you know? It's a beautiful, breathtaking view. There are like multiple desks, like an almost like an entertainment corner, like a den area with like steps leading down into a pit, right? It's like a huge space. And there's like a second floor, like a second landing where you see like an opulent like four poster bed on like the second second landing. Uh, and like like shelves just stacked with scrolls and books. And Tyrion is sitting in, not behind a desk, but in one of the entertainment pits. Uh, and there's ice cream uh, and these like big scoops. They're more like, I guess, like morosin, like shaved ice sort of situation, but infused with some notes of like dairy and vanilla uh, and these like glass 
cups, right, just on on the desk with like uh, dry ice, almost like frosty mist coming off of it, right, to like keep it cool while while Tyrion's been waiting for you. And he's like sitting by this desk and is like gesturing like very extre- like exuberantly for you to come in. Visanti, Visanti, please, 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 come in, make yourself at home. How have you been enjoying the Iron Citadel? How have your friends been enjoying the amenities? Oh, I think you were absolutely right. If you simply begin to utter, I would like, boom, it's right there, right in your hand. It's very lovely service, your servants. I can see where I inherited my fine taste for things. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Oh, yes. Yes, I was noticing that as well. Like father, like daughter. I mean, what's the point of living if you're not going to bathe in luxury a little, don't you think? I absolutely agree. And as that on that, like V's like sitting down in, in the chair next to the ice cream and such. I absolutely agree that the, you should have only the highest of quality. Uh, you've got some strange doorways. Amazing uh, artifacts. Yes, yes. Well, this Iron Citadel, it does come with quite a history. This fortress... Well, it's magical. I think that much is obvious. Uh, Made to be... What's the term in common? Uh, And he says something in Ba that, like, you don't understand, and he's... Intraceable? Untraceable. That's right. It's made to be untraceable by people unfamiliar with the grounds. Really good for defense if it ever gets... Well, if Siege ever gets past its iron wall. So... When we found it, it was because you wanted it to be found. You're starting to catch on, V. Sharp as a tack, just like I thought you'd be. Here, please. Uh, what flavor would you like? We have vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, mint. Ooh, mint. That sounds delicious. My favorite color, even. And I think V like picks up the... I'm assuming it's a greenish ice cream. Yeah, it's a greenish ice cream. Yeah, here you go. And I will have the blueberry. And he takes like the, the blue, like shaves ice, right? Hands you a spoon. He, ta- he keeps a spoon. Visanti, you must have a dozen, nay, a thousand questions swirling around your head. And I am here to answer them all. Oof, all of them. Wow, that's... Oh, I hope you're ready. Um... Jeez, do you want me to just throw them at you, rapid fire? Oh wait, wait, you, you know what? You know before before we get into the heavier questions, I I want to get to know you more, Vasanti. We've we've lost so much time. I need to know who you are as a person. I I see myself reflected in your face, and yet I also see a stranger. What's 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 your favorite color? Oh my favorite color, it's green. It's a very lucky color to me. It's it's following me everywhere I go. Mm. Well, my favorite color is blue. And he gestures toward his, toward his like, azure tie. And what a sh- fine shade of blue that is. Thank you, thank you. And uh, what uh, what's your favorite number? Oh, my favorite number uh, is whichever one I bet on at the time. <laughs> good answer, good answer. I think my favorite number is one. Something strong about that number, don't you think? Number one. Everyone wants to be number one. Some people are forced to be a singular one all of Mm. their life. Yes, yes, it has. It has been a lonely 10,000 years. It has. And your father sort of looks off again into the distance, just... 
you're starting to notice that happens with him sometimes. He'll just sort of lose himself in a train of thought and a memory. And then he snaps himself back to the present and smiles at you. So what is it that you have been up to? 10,000 years, that's a long time. I'd, I'm sure that you could tell me all sorts of stories, but tell me what you've been up to these days. Well, as I'm sure you know, or we are painfully aware of, the Cataclysm has thrown off a lot of my plans in the past year, but up until then, I've been doing exactly what I set up the Chromium Order in its current iteration to do, which is to find and preserve magical artifacts of a bygone age. Oh, yes. Memories of my people. Everything we stood for. Everything we've lost. Tamba and I are the last surviving draconic mages. And Abiku, she's, well, she is of our time, but she doesn't remember. And she's not quite alive. <laughs> In the same way Tamba and I are, so... It's important to me. To keep our heritage going. I can certainly understand the need and desire to keep alive, uh, you know, the things that you hold dear to you, traditions, and I personally have mostly gone through the last century just sort of adopting whatever tradition I happen to find myself in. Well, I can tell you what one of them certainly is. You are my daughter, Visanti, which means you hold within yourself not just paragon power, Chosen by destiny, of course, of course my daughter would be, but I am a draconic mage, and so within you, that magic flows as well. You are more powerful than any of the other paragons, I assure you, because of this lineage. I could teach you how to untap that magic within yourself, how to harness it. This is such a lovely lovely offer um you've left i didn't come in here expecting such a gracious and wonderful proposal as to help me become a more powerful sorcerer you you did say something though about how within me there's something important that the other paragons don't have and uh, this might be paranoid thinking so forgive me if it is but you know it seemed when sievert was trying to get my blood what felt like forever ago it was because my blood perhaps contained something important now i know you said that it was because you were looking for me but i mean can't we be truthful for a moment here and maybe say what really you might have been looking for i've always been looking for you Vasanti. i'm not i won't be around forever i'm ancient Vasanti. i have lived 15,000 years. Yesterday is the same as 3,000 years ago, is the same as 10,000 years ago, is the same as 50 years ago for me. I won't be around for much longer, I don't think. You want to know what I truly want? It's to pass my legacy on to someone deserving. The Citadel. All of the magic within it, all of the artifacts, my personal history, they can't just go to anyone. I was going to pass it on to Sievert. But you, I think, are a much more fitting candidate. 
all this could be yours, Visanti. And I want it to be. See, you've picked a very perilous time. Surely you have eyes everywhere, you hear everything, you know everything about us, so you know that there is an impending fight on the horizon. I do. And I have um, eyes and ears close to members of the Alliance as well. I am aware that the Paragons are destined to die to save Endake. But what if I told you that if you uncorked the draconic, true draconic mage ancestry within you, you could perhaps turn the tides of fate to your favor. Maybe the Paragons don't have to die. Maybe you could save them all. And I'm not just going to sit idly by and let my daughter sacrifice herself to save a world that could never understand and appreciate your true power. What? This is me just spitballing here, but what about the idea of the Chromium Order? You, Sievert? I'd be willing to put bygones aside so that, uh, what if you fight alongside us when the time comes? Father and daughter, standing arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, facing off against the stranger. There is an appeal to that, I can admit. Yes, let's do it. You and me, Visanti, up against the world, up against the stranger, up against the apocalypse. If we work together, if we hmm, trust in each other, then perhaps, yes, yes. And he bangs his like hands against like the, the table and like the ice cream stuff like rattles. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> v like genuinely let a little bit of a chuckle of this was far easier than I expected to find you, to enter your place, to reconcile, to get you to join our side. This feels almost, oh, I don't know, like it's too good to be true, like it's almost a minor illusion of some sort. It's hard for you to trust, Visanti. That much is obvious to me, to anyone who might consider themselves close to you. And I understand. I understand why it might be hard for you to trust. I mean, there was Sievert. To begin with, my absence for years and years and years, learning that the Paragons have to sacrifice themselves, I understand. It's like how I said, outside the gates of the Iron Citadel, trust is the most valuable resource in this world. So I understand if you don't fully trust me yet. What can I do to get there? How can I prove my sincerity to you, Visanti. You could kill Sievert. That'd be a good start. He thinks for a long time, right? Like his eyes sort of go off to the side. He's nodding, considering this. Roll inside for me. 15. His jaws clenched a little. You see, he's like, this seems to be like a true hard decision for him because I mean, even though Seaver betrayed him, right? Lied to him about you, which, you know, with a 15 seems to be the truth, right? He like really, what he's saying about Seaver lying seems to be absolutely like 
veritas. It's it's the it's the truth. Sievert is has still served him for like 150 years, it seems. Right? So he, you know, this is this is a hard decision, but he's like looking off, and then he looks back at you very serious. Is this truly what you want, Visanti? Would this truly set your soul to rest? It would be a good start to knowing that you're willing to do something hard for your daughter. Then I'll do you one better. You kill him. I thought you'd never ask. This episode of The Second Stranger was edited by Connie Chong. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Lyle and Peanut, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scruffisus, and Target.